which is very broad and totally acidic. show appears to have a new theme song, does that mean we're going to have to update ours? Yes. Oh, jeez. It's hard enough Just getting DeMarco to do the sound effects we do have. Pick a Nickelback song. We'll be good to go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Raw Reaction. August 18, 2014. I am Harry Broadhurst. Joining me as per usual, and by usual I mean the weeks that he's not Vegas, Tony Acero. Tony, what's up? Yo! <laughs> so, you ready to talk some Fallout for some SummerSlam and as we start on the road to Night of Champions? Let's do this. Uh, for the record, just before we get started, scoreboard, bitch. 62 <laughs> last night at SummerSlam. At this point, incorrectly, with hopes that it goes the way that I want it to. <laughs> better to be, better to hope to be wrong and end up being right than to hope to be right and end up being wrong. Which has been the case since we've started this. <laughs> you actually were 500. You won 404. Not terrible. Jimmy Christopher went one and seven. Okay. So you know you you beat him at least. You can call it a tie. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll take it. You won and you lost. I just won. <laughs> Anyways, SummerSlam is indeed in the books. We have several new champions to talk about. We have a lot of things to get to tonight. It is a stacked show as per usual here on the reaction. So, what do you say we get right to it, and let's talk about Raw. All right. All right, I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce this one, because I want you to use the exact wording that you said to me in the format for tonight's show. <laughs> um, all right, hold on one second. I have to adjust myself, I'll and I don't mean it in a you derogatory message. way. Okay, so, let's talk about Raw. The title of this segment is uh, Stephanie McMahon, Life's Biggest Troll. Go ahead. Well, I know what you meant by it, but go ahead and explain <laughs> to everybody the else. Show, the show opened with the music of Daniel Bryan, and as a recapper of the show, I got extremely excited. Um, I wasn't sure what they were going to be doing, but I figured it would have something to do with the Brie, Nikki turn, and Steph in the match and everything. And, you know, they he, she got me. She got me completely. Um, I really thought Bryan was going to come out to at least be fresh in people's mind. And here comes Steph with her wonderful Steph shirt and the beautiful breasts that jiggle underneath, and she's stepping down the ring instead of yesing. And she just, she played the crowd. Um, you know, whether we liked the whole uh, affair thing, whether we thought this thing was perfect or not, the fact that Steph has been involved in almost everything that she's done has been perfect, even when the storyline itself wasn't that great. And tonight was just a continuation of that. I mean, really, out of the three women that were in the ring and out of the six you know, out of the the, um, the four fake breaths, you know, she was probably the ones that stood out the most um, in terms of proper delivery and just a good showing from a, you know, a person that's supposed to know what they're doing. And obviously she does. The Bellas, not so much. 
Yeah, the mic work from the Bella Twins seemed rather ineffectual to me about that show. But as far as Stephanie McMahon herself went, uh, top to bottom, her reactions, her responses, her egging on of Nikki as Nikki was trying to offer her explanation as well, some of Steph's best work. Yeah, we all agreed. The segment last Claire Lynch ripoff stunk. But yeah. most of what Stephanie has done as a competitor away from Triple H in the authority angle has been very good. And tonight was no exception on Steph's part. Um, do you agree with them looking like they're going to go with the slow burn on Nikki versus Bree? Um, I guess so. Well, you know, they can't. Oh, you know, I take that back. I was just going to say they can't have a non-title match at Night of Champions, but we've seen them do it before, so it wouldn't surprise me if they did. However, if they were doing it right, then they wouldn't be having a Brie versus Nikki match at Night of Champions. One thing that I do like, and I'm hoping for, is the fact that there's a possibility of Brian being involved in here. Um, yeah, they're putting them down on a weekly basis, but their heels are supposed to. So this, in some way, keeps him alive. You know what I mean? So... I'm really interested to see how they continue that aspect and how they continue to have him as an actual integral part of the show with him and not being there through his wife and his sister-in-law. Um, yeah, the slow burn, I guess it's fine as long as they, they stay doing what they're doing. We don't need any more affair stuff. We don't need any third parties coming in to, to add anything to it because it's a story that will progress on its own. The only thing we have to deal with now is just the bad acting by the Bellas. Well, that's something that you're going to kind of have to deal with anyways. It's not exactly like they're ever going to be the world's greatest actresses. Right. And, you know, the, as I've said before, this, even though it sucks, they need the practice. And what better way to practice than in a live audience, than an actual show where they're not edited, they're not scripted, you know, well, they are scripted, but they're not to a point where they can edit stuff out or be cut or, you know, you don't get better if you don't practice. Right, they don't. And that's what they don't have that window that they would have being on SmackDown where they can edit anything in post-production or anything like that. And the other thing that I wanted to point out as far as this whole situation went is, like it or not, whether we fans or whether we fans that are actually preferable towards the year. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe Harry's dead. Just like this air. Uh, not sure where he's at. Uh, let me pretend to assume that I know where he was going. <laughs> um, in regards to the whole Brie and Bella, uh, Brie and Nikki thing, we're gonna we're gonna have to deal with them anyway. I mean, uh, it's a little frightening that they're at the main event spot, uh, or even though. Hello. Can you hear me? Polo. Yes, I can. All right, I got dead air there for a second. I don't know what the hell. Yeah. Said. All right. I don't know what happened either. Going back. Going back to what I was saying before, my phone so ignorantly cut me off. Um. Despite the fact that me and you may be more fans of the wrestler part of the diva aspect, the fact of the matter is is that the WWE wants the Bellas to be the face, the female faces of their company, and especially when you consider that their two biggest babyface stars, John Cena and Daniel Bryan, are married and dating them respectively. Right. So it's going to be a case of rather we like it or not, the Bellas are going to be forced down our throats. Luckily, yes. though, with them feuding with each other, I think it keeps them in a situation where they're not getting involved in anybody else's angles, they're not stepping on anybody else's seat, and we're still able to get the decent stuff from Paige and AJ, which I'm sure you'll be touching on later, from getting a, a, a woman like Natalia back into the mix tonight, which we have to see. Um, the potential call with Charlotte that's been rumored for a while as well, with what she may or may not do, considering if the fans listening at home don't know, that's the daughter of the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. 
Mm-hmm. So I think there's I think there's a level of I don't know if it's casual optimism about them staying involved with each other because it's not going to drag down the whole Divas division as a whole. But at the same time, I will admit that I'm kind of interested in the story that's going to be told here because of the fact that, yeah, they're not the greatest workers, but usually the sibling rivalries inside of the WWE have panned out with some decent matches. I mean, I always thought that the Matt and Jeff matches were pretty good, even if they weren't what anybody else was expecting them to be. (laughs) Ain't that the truth. Yeah, well, you know, we'll we'll see them go at it. And it's just it's one of those storylines where you're either going to like it or you're not. Um, the only thing that can mess it up is, you know, when another <laughs> unnecessary addition comes to it. These things are going to be able to tell these these storylines are going to be able to tell themselves out. Um, I am interested, and in, well, we won't talk about it right now, but just the reality that SummerSlam was the end point of a lot of storylines, and I think that they kind of uh, cut the ties off of a couple of them tonight. I'm sure we'll get into that, but I, I thought that was a very interesting... Uh, it was like, yeah, at SummerSlam, this story ended, but just in case you didn't think it ended, they had Raw to basically say, yeah, it's over. Yeah, one of the big ones that we'll get to tonight as well is in the regards to uh, one of our favorite guys here on the Raw reaction. Uh, that would be Rusev because of the fact that everything he's been doing with Lana, we've been really, really appreciative of his work for a guy his size as well. And we'll get into his new feud a little bit later on in the show is a little bit of a tease for what's still to come here. Um, let me see if I can't get your. Uh, let me see if I can't get your 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 sound effects to actually work this week here, Tony. <laughs> All right. So for those of you that saw SummerSlam and saw the wonderful five star match that AJ and Paige had, um, you now know five? that she lost the title. I give it. I gave it a four and a half personally because AJ lost. I was going to say no, was, I, don't, I didn't think you. I don't think you'd give an AJ lost five stars. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> but uh, it was pretty damn close. All right, close. carry on. No, in all reality, the uh, the the match itself it was really good, and they went they went they did a few things that by wrestling standards weren't awesome and amazing, but by divas matches standards were out there. It's like they were trying to do great or trying to do better than their last outing. And I believe you and I talked about it, how, you know, they weren't, it wasn't that impressive, the the first match that they had. So they really wanted to up the stakes here, and they really did, I think. Um, you know, whether it's just a flying given, clothesline off the top or... Yeah, given the fact that they only had five minutes to work with at SummerSlam, I thought the match was really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, and I was really, I was really, I was really hoping for more time I, I was wrong in thinking that AJ was going to win, but of course I'm always going to think she's going to win. I'm not sure where they're going. I don't know if I like them bouncing the title back and forth, but we've all said it. We could watch these two girls go at it um, numerous times and be fine with it. Paige is adding new elements to her character, such as the freaky kiss on the cheek, the crawling over AJ, and even tonight uh, Natty, which is very seductive and attractive and gives King's boner a boner, apparently, because his face was all kinds of wrong um, when it happened. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes, but it's really sad to see AJ losing. As far as Raw tonight goes, something happened where Paige was, she said that she loved AJ, she dedicated the match to AJ. That's cool. Blah, blah. Very cool. And AJ upped it. She went out there, she distracted Paige in a very cliche moment, but... When she got on the mic, she she mimicked Paige's word word for word, and added a, an extra element, basically saying, 
I'm crazier than you're crazy, so don't try to out-crazy my crazy, you crazy bitch. And uh, I think if they stick with that, uh, if they stick with that notion where they're going to try to one-up each other on how awkward it could get, then we may have a lot of fun here. And I'm talking Trish Stratus, Mickey James type fun. Oh, God. I saw several people make that connection on the Yes page as well, and I just shook my head. But given the fact that Paige has taken a liking to... How do I put this politely without offending anybody? Uh, lesbian crawling over her opponent? Mm, I think yes. this is the best way that I can put that, because that's more or less what happens. Yeah, Pretty it much. looks like they might be going down this road here, but... The thought that I had, one of my buddies came up and actually watched Raw upstairs in my apartment with me tonight. And one of the thoughts that I had is that was going on there is there are a couple of things you don't do in life. You don't spit in the wind, you don't tug on Superman's cape, and you don't try to out-crazy A.J. Lee. And Paige found a very, very brutal lesson out of that tonight in the fact that there is nobody, man or woman, in the WWE. Okay, maybe Dean Ambrose that can match A.J. crazy for crazy. And now I'm just having yeah, visions of Dean Ambrose and AJ Lee having mic time against each other. That would be fantastic. Okay. I don't on. like where that would go. <laughs> <clears throat> I have a feeling that would end in a, a momentary lip lock that I'm not ready to see. Uh, but, yeah, in terms okay. of uh, the storyline between AJ and Paige, it is one of the ones from SummerSlam that will seemingly continue, and we're most likely going to get a rematch um, come Night of Champions. What I'm noticing, though, I don't know if this is just a means to an end. In other words, they're using this as a storyline device to progress Paige and AJ. But what I'm noticing is that people like Eva Marie and Natalia are being involved, even if momentarily, and getting actual wins. Do you think that this will lead to anything um, <clears throat> resulting in them getting more screen time, or do you think they're just being used to advance the storyline between Paige and AJ? I'm going to make a bold prediction here. And I'm going to make this prediction half a year outside of the actual show happening. WrestleMania 31. Page versus AJ Lee again on the line. It will be elsewhere. Hmm. I like it. I like it. I think that they're so, they're at a moment right now where they're capable enough to do that and base it off, base it off of just both of them being so obsessed with one another that it's damaging. Exactly, and the fact of the matter is is both of these women have the promo abilities as well as the character development behind them that they can carry a feud without needing the title involved in it. Yeah, I mean, that's, um, that's a, you know, uh, they have that capability. They're, they're talented enough, obviously, but not, not only are they talented enough, the story between the two are um, uh, it's strong enough to not necessarily need the title. Do you think we're going to see any kind of a different side to Paige once she's finally involved in a storyline where the title is not involved? Because um, she's been basically around the, the Divas title since she got the call up the night after WrestleMania. Yeah, I think we're already seeing the, the changes that need to be made for her. She's more interesting automatically. Um, she's a way better hill than even I anticipated. I know a lot of people kind of already knew. Um, well, I've said it before. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but... Uh, you know, they, they because I've never seen her before, I've never seen her work prior to this, but as a heel, she's doing great. And I think that she could only grow, what is she, 22? She won the belt uh, back on her birthday, so she just turned 22. Yeah. Um, 
just turned 22 yeah. yesterday. Yeah, so I don't know. I see a lot of good things for her as long as she just stays healthy and doesn't get all drunk. To my knowledge, she's not a drinker, so I don't think she's going to have that issue. Um, oh, you never know, man. The only thing that I read. <laughs> The only thing I could realistically see derailing her career is attitude. Yeah. And it's something we've seen before from other people that were put into this position of being pushed, maybe even a little bit before they're ready, and then it goes to their head. Now, given the fact that Paige was raised in the business, this is a point I've brought up here on the reaction before, her mother is former Shimmer champion, Soraya Knight. Yeah, I think so. You would think that her you would think that her head is on her shoulders clearly enough that something like that would not become an issue. Mm-hmm. Alright, you ready to do some bills and ready to pay some bills and do some quick hits, Tony? Yeah, sure. Alright. Hold on, let me get up my let me get up my format so that way I have the quick hit stuff right in front of me. Alright. Here we go. The raw reaction is brought to you by Powerhouse Radio in association with ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. www.ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. The Raw Reaction airs to you live courtesy of www.BlogTalkRadio.com. In addition, on the Pro Wrestling Powerhouse website, you can listen to the back episodes of The Raw Reaction in addition to old episodes of the Thursday Night Destruction of Heartbeat Radio and even old episodes of the Greg DeMarco Show. I hear one of the members of this show is a Greg DeMarco guy. Yeah, I'm a Greg DeMarco guy. I put that one on a tee for you. You're welcome. Anyways, in addition, I do work with local independent wrestling companies, Black Diamond Wrestling, as well as Real Action Pro Wrestling. And Tony, why don't you go ahead and tell them all about what you're doing over at 411 Mania? Currently nothing. No, actually, I write the weekly Raw report. Um, I, I handle the services for people that are unable to watch the show. Um, also, I'm basically the ringleader of a bunch of amazing commenters that just make recapping the show way more fun. They don't even read the shit I write half the time. They're there to talk to each other, to talk to me, to enjoy the pitch and just have time. Um so, yeah, Dude, we are a having a hell of a time. Most of that got cut off. You might want to try that yeah, again. Most of it got cut off. <clears throat> well, um, like I was saying, I work for the Raw. Um, well, 411 Mania, I write the Raw Report every week. They've got some of the greatest comments ever. I mean, it's always a good time. It's hilarious. I implore everyone to join me. Just half the people don't even read the report. They're just there to talk to each other, to talk to me. It's like watching the show with a bunch of your friends and all of them happen to be really funny. Um, aside from that, I do the wrestling 5 and one which took a, a, a week off, mainly because I took a week off, but we'll be coming back later this week, and I've got some good topics that I want to talk about. I'll let that linger there so that you can read it instead of just hearing from me today. Um, that's pretty much it. But, yeah, I'm still kicking over there. In addition, you can also find both myself and Tony on Facebook in association with the Yes, Yes, Yes forum. It's my creation, it's my baby. I came up with the page the night after WrestleMania 28, and it's grown into a thing now where it's almost 2,500 members, which I'm really proud of. We're just north of 2,300 now, and I'm hoping maybe by the end of the year we can hit 25 and see what happens from there. Um, also, we are associated with Wrestling to the Max, our, our buddies Sean Garmer, Gary Jovan, and Paul Brian Lazier. 
Um, speaking of wrestling to the max, while we're on the topic here, I'm going to go ahead and let you know here. You've been called out. I have been called out, yes. Do you have any kind of response <laughs> that you would like to give to Gary? Um, well, in regards to the actual concept of, you know, dumping a bucket of ice over your head, um, from what I understand, it is a way to, you know, create awareness for something that is, you know, affecting a lot of people. So I'm all for creating awareness. I'm all for dumping ice on my head and whatnot. However, I will have a response, and I will do it in my own specific, specific way that I think is more appealing than, you know, putting the ice over you. I've seen that this thing is growing from, I mean, it's been around for a few months, but it's getting bigger and bigger, particularly because of the, um, the you know, celebrities getting involved and actually putting their stuff online. The end result is awesome. They're raising money. They're putting it all towards a good cause. If I have something to do with that, then that's going to be great. However, I want to accentuate the fact that this isn't a way to simply be online. And this isn't a call-out to someone who called me out. This is just, in general, a statement that if this is for awareness, then dumping your ice over your head is only half the job. The other half is actually doing something about it. So if there's anybody that's listening to me and that wants to do something about it, you don't necessarily have to put yourself online. You don't even have to let people know. You could simply just do it. So anyone involved, anyone that's considered doing this or anyone that's considering being an integral part of helping someone out, just do it, all right? Just, you don't, you don't need to let anyone know. Just do it and make yourself feel better, make them feel better, and that's it. So that's my little PSA about it, and yes, I will have a response. In addition, let's also remember, people, um, if you're just dumping the water over your head for the sake of dumping the water over your head, you're missing the point. The point here is to raise awareness and as a fundraiser for ALS, and more commonly known as Lou Gehrig's disease. So if you have the ability to, if you have the finances to, make sure you make a donation as well. Yeah. Harry couldn't have put it any better, you know, than, than what I was attempting to do. That's essentially what I'm saying. But, yes, you will see a video of me of some sort come, you know, tomorrow. I believe I have 24 hours. So I'm really excited about it, and I think uh, I'm hoping people will enjoy it. Of course, it will be in my own particular way rather than simply getting all wet because I can just watch AJ for that. I knew there was going to be an AJ's joke there as soon as you said getting all wet. Yeah. Anywho. Um, speaking, speaking of charity, um, <laughs> and speaking of this entire idea, this notion of dumping water, icy water over your head and whatnot, we had a little segment in Raw um, that had just that. <laughs> uh, we'll get to that in a bit. We still have quick hits here, here to go. So right. why don't we go ahead and get into... Why don't we go ahead and get into quick hits here, and we'll start with the opening tag team match, the Big Show and Mark Henry against the Wyatt families, Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. Go ahead, Tony. Uh, my little brother is a huge Big Show fan, so he was extremely excited. Um, me, not so much. I don't mind them together. They're fine. They're both capable. They're not doing anything, so why the hell not? Um, but in regards to... I guess this match wouldn't have bothered me so much if we didn't see Mark Henry show up again later on in the show because it just makes me feel that they're more sold on making Mark Henry the foil for Rusev than they are on making him an integral part of the tag team um, arena. And if that's the case, then you just had the Wyatts lose to them for no particular reason. Um, I'm sure you feel the same way where um, the Wyatts never really got their just due. They never got the titles. They never got their big win. And they really could have done a lot with it. So I'm pretty sure you're disappointed about it. I'm starting. I think I'm really starting to realize 
how much I would have enjoyed your prediction of them getting the title every single pay-per-view um, coming to fruition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a thing to me of it's a case of what can you do with them now because basically they're jobbing to a team that as of tonight, as of a little bit later on the show that we'll be getting to here in a little bit here on the Raw Reaction, is no longer going to be much of a functioning unit. Uh, we actually have a caller, Tony. All right. And there's actually a little bit of relevance behind this caller, too. So I'm going to go ahead and answer this here. Here. You're on the Raw Reaction. Hey, guys. It's Jerry uh, from Wrestling to the Max. Thanks for having me uh, on for a second here. What's up? Hey, hey, man. So I did actually catch just enough of you talking about the, uh, you know, the whole uh, ice bucket stuff, the ice bucket challenge, and I totally agree with you, Tony. I wanted to tell you that, give you a call personally, and say, hey, uh, you're totally correct on everything you said. Um, of course, if it, was, if it was something at the beginning, I kind of missed it, but I caught the last end of it, and I completely agree. So I just want to give you that shout out. Um, oh well, thank you. <laughs> Uh, also, you know, I just want to call in really quickly and ask you guys, I don't know, did y'all talk about SummerSlam already? Summerfest, uh, you mean? We briefly Summerslam. touched on it, but seeing as, <laughs> seeing as we did the focus on, uh, seeing as we did the focus on the predictions for SummerSlam, last week we're kind of focusing on the fallout here. We know you guys at Wrestling to the Max will be covering SummerSlam in full detail here a little bit later on in the week. Uh, we definitely will be tomorrow, but uh, I just was going to ask you guys just quickly. I just want your, uh, you know, idea of how it went and uh, really kind of, you know, maybe your rating or just kind of your feel because I, I thoroughly enjoyed the show personally. Yeah, uh, you want to go gonna, first or second here, Tom? Of course, I'm going to go first. Um, no, <laughs> I, I enjoyed the show. Over a lot. Cool. I've, I've watched it twice so far. Um, one on my own and like you know one-and-a-half speed, and then again with my little brothers because they weren't able to see it. Um, I had to work, and I wasn't able to go to the show, so I was pretty disappointed. It's in L.A. I'm in L.A., so that kind of sucked. Um, the good news that came out of it is I met Road Dog. Um, he's bigger than I ever thought. But back to SummerSlam, it was a, I thought it was a great event. I mean, it, it was capped oh, off by a great know? main event. Oh, I knew. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I called somebody. Yeah, uh, it was a it was a good it was a good pay per view, a really good pay per view. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, the opener was hot, of course, because of Dolph, AJ, <sighs> AJ, um, and then the the undercard was just as good. Stephanie McMahon did. I, I can't say she surprised me because I expected awesomeness from her, and we got just that. Um, I think the right decisions were made. I think storylines were advanced properly. I think it was a great event, and it had a lot leading into it, so that it really helped. Score out of ten, Tony. <laughs> How about you, Harry? How'd you enjoy it? Um, honestly, I thought it was a really good show. I thought everything that did happen needed to happen, and everything that should have moved forward did go forward. And a couple of the things that needed to stop going forward did stop as as a SummerSlam there. Now, obviously. A lot of what's going to happen with the main event is going to depend on the fallout of Cena returning to Raw next week because obviously he wasn't on the show tonight to sell the beating that he took from Lesnar in the main event. Yeah. And that was a big thing to me watching the pay-per-view. I was kind of surprised when they completed the beating that John Cena took uh, just because, you know, Super Cena never takes those kind of beatings. Uh, But, you know, it was very interesting to me, and I was kind of happy to see it, not because I hate Cena, just because it never happened. 
I said it <laughs> yeah. during the SummerSlam thread on Yes during the show itself. I said that what happened last night was John Cena actually doing what was right for business and making Brock Lesnar look like an unbeatable monster and trying to figure out who, if anybody, will be the man to put the stop to the Beast Incarnate. Um, as far as the rest of the show goes, uh, AJ and Paige for a five-minute match was really good. Ziggler and Miz had basically the same Ziggler-Miz match that they've been having lately, but at the same time there you had the added bonus of Ziggler winning the Intercontinental title, which not a lot of people expected. I know for a fact that none of the three of us that did predictions here last week on the reaction picked Ziggler to win. All three of us had Miz. Um, Orton and Reigns was really good. I was surprised by the pace that they kept for pretty much the entirety of the 16 minutes that they got. And in addition, both of their major spots from that match looked fantastic in the Superman punch counter to the RKO as well as the spear counter to the power slam. And I think the right man won. I think Roman Reigns needed this victory to establish himself too. So, Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, uh, yeah, good ideas and good points, guys. Uh, really appreciate you. Uh, kind of answering some of my questions. Uh, it's good to be on with you guys. I know you guys have a big show to fill, so I won't take up any more of your time. Uh, but I hope you guys have a great rest of the show, man. You too. Thanks for calling All right. In. Thanks for All calling right. in, Gary. We appreciate it. Later. Gary Jovan, Wrestling to the Max. You can listen to them tomorrow night. I'm sure that Sean will post the link in the Yes page as well, and I'm, I'll make sure that I get it posted on my personal page as well. Um... Do we have time to get back to quick hits here? Yes. You lead the show. Given the fact that you only, given the fact that you only gave me two dues for tonight, I think we can go ahead and stretch the quick hits out and not worry about that third do as much. I mean, we can touch on a topic briefly that I do want to discuss, but we can touch on that during the last Let's Talk About Raw segment as well, because I can kind of tie the two together. Okay, sure. All right, let's continue talking. Let's continue talking about tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw, and let's now touch on. The rematch for the Intercontinental title, speaking of which, that we just talked about there with Gary, the Miz getting his return match with Dolph Ziggler. Your thoughts on A, the match itself, and B, the count-out finish? Um, let's see. I didn't mind it. I think they're going to continue this storyline, um, and they're, they're, that's fine because what else is the Miz going to do? Uh, <laughs> they, he didn't really have much going for him. I'm surprised that he lost the belt, which is, you know, as you can see by my prediction, I thought he was going to keep it. The countout uh, win was just to make this thing continue onward, um, probably for a rematch in Night of Champions, which, again, is something that I'm not opposed to. I think those two uh, are really good with each other, and um, hopefully they're, they're really serious about Dolph this time around. Yeah, you know, the weird thing for me was is the fact that you finally have a character that the fans are starting to get behind being able to hate and miss, and you basically cut off his momentum at SummerSlam by having him drop the title to Ziggler. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not opposed to Ziggler picking up a big win because I'm a huge fan of Ziggler's, and everybody knows that Dolph bumps his ass off every chance that he gets. But giving Ziggler this chance that we're giving him with the Intercontinental title here comes kind of at the expense of the Mrs. character, which has been red hot as of late. The I think kind the of Hollywood douche that Miz has been playing. Yeah, I think he's got his character down, Pat. I just don't think that they've ever believed in him as anything serious, especially considering his return. You said undercut, and that's all I'm seeing um, with everything, whether SummerSlam, his return being undercut by Jericho, and uh, it just seems like no one's taking him seriously but himself. But that's how he got where he is today, so I don't know. Maybe it'll work for him in the long run. 
All right, let's move on here in quick hits, and let's hit Jack Swagger versus Cesaro part four in the last two weeks. Hmm. And then we can touch on the bit with Swagger and Bo Dallas as well. Okay. Um, I'll go ahead and go first here. Um, I was surprised to see Cesaro pick up a win tonight, but I was not opposed to it. And the thing is, is I think that I remember doing a thing. I remember mentioning to you before that I thought that a potential angle going forward with Bo Dallas would be Damian Sandow. Do you think it's at all possible that we might see that idea that I had with Damian Sandow executed out with Jack Swagger instead? That's what it looks like. Um, and it seems really like uh, kind of out of the ordinary. It seemed like they just cut off the Rusev storyline. Uh, Swagger was a little bummed out, and now he's moving forward with Bo. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about it because I don't know who's going to win from that. <laughs> I don't know that either of them really advanced anywhere with these guys getting into a program with each other here. I mean, it's been pretty much established lately that Vince McMahon is not big on Bo Dallas' character or his look, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Dallas has a little bit of a gut. But at the same time, Dallas has also been one of the most con- consistently entertaining parts of the WWE program that he's been involved in. I'm curious to see what Dallas is going to do, but at the same time, I'm not going to be surprised if it doesn't end up going anywhere. Yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, you know, if we if we were to just eradicate the rumors that they don't believe in him and everything, then we could still look at his booking as scattershot. You know, he had a streak, then he lost it, then he gained an edge, then he disappeared, now he's back. So it's um, his momentum is fleeting. It'll come and it'll go. And I believe it's the same thing that you could say about his character itself, where it, it'll come and go. It's not set in stone, and that's unfortunate because he's he's got potential, you know. Right, exactly. I mean, I see a lot of potential in the Bo Dallas character, and especially for anybody that happens to uh, actually watch NXT and stuff, we've gotten to see the fleshing out of this character down in NXT before he got the call up to the main roster. We move right. on. Six-man tag match. Sheamus, Rob Van Dam, and I am drawing a blank here. Roman Reigns. Wow, that's sad. <laughs> anyway, take, take on the sad. team of Ryback, <laughs> Curtis Axel, and Randy Orton. Uh, um, the six-man tag itself was a lot of fun. It was a six-man tag. I don't think that they can do these things wrong, regardless of who's involved. Um, the finishing sequences are always cool, even if a little bit easy to see what's coming. My only... It's not even a concern. It's just a... It was an interesting aspect of the match itself. Um, Reigns did his whole hot tag, got in, did his thing, and then seemingly out of uh, nowhere... Um, RVD got the tag and the win. And I was, like I said, it's not a big deal. It's just something that, as a wrestling fan or as a person who talks about it in such a way that we do, something that we notice and start to question, like, was that done for any particular reason? You would automatically assume that the guy that they're trying to give a push to, which is Reigns, would be the one to win. And if that's not the case, if if I'm just overreaching, then why did they give it to RVD? You know, was it just a matter of whatever, you know, the... Maybe it's an attempt at keeping Van Dam around because from what I've heard that this might be Van Dam's last week in this present run with the WWE. Mm-hmm. Which makes it all the more puzzling that he picked up the victory here because if they can't <laughs> convince him to stick around, then realistically speaking, what sense does it make to get him all in? I mean, it's not like taking the loss to... Uh, it's not like Curtis Axel taking a loss to Rob Van Dam is going to hurt his credibility because that would assume that Axel has any credibility left to begin with. 
Exactly. And Lynn, and I want to be clear, like this isn't something that I'm throwing my hands in the air going crazy about, like why would they do this? Why wouldn't they give Reigns the win? It's really not, it doesn't matter. You know, it's not that big of a deal. But if we're to talk about it, then we do have to question why. Um, and then in the same aspect, in this, in this match itself, I mean, Ryback got a huge response. Now, I could say yes, it's because he was home, he was in Vegas, and, uh, you know, Tara Calloway is also from Vegas and knew Ryback, also known as, I guess, Ryan Reeves is his real name. They were really close, and yes. they have a close-knit um, fan base out there that is really supportive. But I remember the last time Ryback was in Vegas, and the response wasn't even that big. You couple this with the fact that there's been Feed Me More chants on and on. Is it is he picking up traction again, or is it something... Like, is it just the leftovers of his, his push from long ago? Or is it just a matter of Feed Me More has three syllables and sounds good to chant? <laughs> uh, a little bit of part B, a little bit of part C. I honestly yeah. <laughs> think that people are actually enjoying his run as the oaf that actually thinks he's a little bit more than what he is. Because honestly, for as ridiculous as he was treated when he originally debuted, for as over the moon as his push was originally... Having him in this role as the meathead muscle is perfect for him because he looks and acts the part. Yes. That and wrestling fans always enjoy a good chance. Yeah, of course. And they always enjoy a bad chance, too. Certain cities more so than others. Um, yeah. Neither of them was actually wrestling tonight, but let's kind of talk about the fallout from the match in addition to what we saw on the show itself, the promos from Chris Jericho and Barry Wyatt tonight. Um do you think we're going to see one more match between Jericho and Wyatt before Jericho wraps things up at Night of Champions, or do you think Jericho goes elsewhere for Night of Champions? I don't know. They both seem to have finite statements. Um, Wyatt feels that he took the title of savior. Jericho feels that he you know, is moving on because that's what he does. He'll, he's a survivor. So it feels like they're done. It feels like they're both moving on. But if that's the case, then I have to question... Jericho came back to help Wyatt out. Was this a success? Did he make Wyatt better than Wyatt was before he left? You know, and I don't, I don't know. I'm asking you as much as I'm going to answer myself. That's the first question. The second one is that if this is the end, you know, is Jericho going to leave again? Um, I think it's pretty much confirmed that Jericho's going to be going back out on tour with Fozzie at the end of September. So, yeah, Jericho's on his way back out the door. Uh, As far as whether or not Jericho's stint here with the WWE helped Bray Wyatt any, I would say that it did. And the reason I say that is because Wyatt actually got a clean, decisive pinfall victory without any kind of shenanigans on the outside from Harper or Rowan over a guy that has credibility in WWE lexicon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I agree with I agree with both those things. And I didn't know that he was going to tour. You know, you read more of the you're more informative than I am. I just kind of. I just kind of half-assed this. You know, you know that. No, but in reality, um, yeah, so, so you think it, it helped. I think that there could have been more to be done. And, of course, I do have to continuously bring up the fact that the follow-up is just as important, if not more, than the actual feud itself. So, you know, I don't know where Wyatt goes from here. I don't know who's, who he's going after next, but I'm hoping that it's just as good or better than what we had with Jericho. Yeah, but the thing is, is Chris Jericho... John Cena before him. Where is there to go but down for Bray Wyatt? I'm gonna toss yeah, a, I'm gonna toss fear. a match out there. I'm gonna toss a match out there and I want to know your thoughts. Uh-huh. Would you have any interest in Bray Wyatt versus Brock Lesnar? 
Um, I think it's a complete mismatch. I think it would do more harm than good um, for uh, for Wyatt, not necessarily Brock. Fair enough. Because Brock would kill it. Might want to answer the door. <laughs> uh, you ready to talk about Raw some more, Tony? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's go ahead and hit this thing that you started to touch on a little bit earlier here. Let's talk about the fact that Dean Ambrose is absolutely hysterical in a completely offhanded kind of way. Oh, yeah, he's great. Full control of his character. Knows exactly what he's doing. And he does all the right little things. Go ahead and go into details. Well, you know, well, like we were talking about the ice bucket challenge and everybody's doing that right now. And we had a little bit uh, of a, uh, a remix, if you will, with Dean Ambrose. Seth Rollins was doing an interview with Renee Young. He said his little piece and everything, and then seemingly out of nowhere, ice gets dumped over his head. The camera pans to Dean Ambrose, who says, what? It's for charity, in a way that only he can. And then throws the bucket right at Seth's face. It's, it was a beautiful moment. It was hilarious. And it still had the right amount of animosity that you needed to, to make sure that we, didn't, that we still took these, these two people seriously. That's really hard to do. You know? and an example was Cena. He can't go from serious to, to cheery and make us believe either one of them. Ambrose seemingly has a hold on that, where he's funny, but it doesn't mean that he doesn't want to fuck Seth up. <laughs> Sean Garmer from Wrestling to the Max is listening to the show. Hey, Sean. Um, <laughs> and he just sent me a message on Facebook saying that Ambrose saying, what, it's for charity, made me die laughing. And I had pretty much the same reaction there. The very second that those words left his mouth, I busted out laughing. But then at the same time there, he immediately switches back over to that more serious side that you were talking about when he first throws the bucket into Rollins' face. And, I mean, he could not have hit him more perfectly with that bucket if he wanted to. And then the beatdown that occurred backstage until Fit Finley, Jamie Noble, and Joey Mercury, because that's apparently all that they do these days, broke it up. Um, Remember when he used to love to fight? Yeah, what's up with that? I, I pointed that out earlier, too. I'm like, that is not the Fit Finley I know. The Fit Finley I know would not be breaking up a fight. He'd be sucker punching somebody to insinuate, <laughs> to instigate one. Just because. Just because. <laughs> exactly. You know why Finley punched you? Because he can. Anyways, um, we'll get it more into the match itself a little bit later on here in the show. But, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think the fact that they were able to work that little bit of out-of-character humor for Ambrose into the situation and still keep that edge that Dean Ambrose has with the fans there was a perfect touch. That's the kind of advertising that they can do on occasion and actually make it tie into the show. Because yeah. I don't know if you've seen the video or not. Trips has done the ice bucket challenge himself, so has Vince McMahon. And that was a way for them to advertise something for a good cause but work it into a way in the show that it didn't seem out of place. It was just them capitalizing on the trend that is the ice bucket challenge while working it into a character that the fans are already behind, and that'll make them want to be more likely to look into why Ambrose did what he did and what he did as well. And let's, let's, please applaud, let's please applaud them for referencing a topical situation rather than something that happened 30 years ago. I think that's more, I think that's more Triple H is doing than Vince's. <laughs> <laughs> if, Vince, if Vince had written that segment... 
Ambrose would have walked up behind Rollins and said it's time for some rock and wrestling. Anyway. Moving forward. Did you get a sound effect there? Nope. Try this again. My soundboard isn't working. (laughs) That sucks. (laughs) Did it myself. Carry on. Okay. Um, I just wanted to highlight a particular portion of Raw that made me, you know, happy man inside to a degree. Um, (laughs) I have issues with my phone here. You can hear me, right? Yes, I can. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't know. Well, I you you know you personally don't know this much because Mark Henry hasn't been around too much, but I believe that he is one of the most believable black characters on television right now. I don't think that he's acting or pretending or being anybody but Mark Henry. He's a badass. It's awesome. Um, you know, every word that it comes out of his mouth. You remember when he said, uh, "What did he say? You gotta uh, you." I charge for air, and you got to keep your bill paid. I don't know whose ass he was beating, but it was somebody. Um, you know, just a lot of little Seamus, things that he I said. Make, it was Seamus? Okay. Yeah, with their feud. Um, back yeah, when so. he was feuding with Seamus back in uh, 2011, right after he won the title off of Orton. Yeah, little statements like that that you just know Mark Henry wrote, not anybody else, or Mark Henry said, not by prompts of someone else. It's great. He's a great character. Um, tonight, this great character came seemingly out of nowhere to um, <laughs> get in the face of Rusev because Mark Henry is a great patriotic American who's been in the Olympics on two occasions, and, um, you know, he really wanted to make a statement. However, as well as it came off in Mark Henry's verbiage, it still stuck out to me as extremely forced, somewhat unnecessary, and, of course, there's going to be jokes left and right about how Mark Henry's black and we're going to get another beatdown. Um, we saw Henry get the upper hand this time around, but I'm assuming that they're just going to eventually feed him to Rusev so that Rusev could stay strong. Um, and because, you know, um, um, <clears throat> you know, because Mark Henry is Mark Henry, you know, he's, he's a veteran. He's going to be able to do what he's got to do, and no one's really going to bat an eye. I'm not sure how I feel about the storyline going forward. I think that they could do it, but it just this is one of those situations where I feel Jack Swagger isn't going to be able to overcome it, um, and that's unfortunate. But that's assuming that there were ever expectations of him becoming something great instead of Rusev. It's just one of those booking crutches where I believe they, they could have made something happen, but instead they went with one person. Yeah, the unfortunate thing here is it's not like they were going to be able to make Swagger and Rusev stay strong coming out of this program if they weren't going to go forward with them. And we mentioned before that we both thought that Henry coming out tonight came out of nowhere because we had just seen Henry earlier in the show teaming with the big show against Eric Rowan and Luke Harper, which furthered my point to the complete uselessness that's become of the Wyatt family as a tag team. But anyways... Oh, by the way, as far as attacking Rusev. That's what I do! Mm-hmm. Got one to work. <laughs> anyway. No, Henry, Henry came seemingly out of nowhere, but if you think about it, he actually makes sense as a potential opponent for, for Rusev because of the fact that he has 
represented his country in the Olympics, which is what many would argue is the most worldly recognized sporting event in the world. The only one that you could really put up there with it is the World Cup, I would say. So it was nice to see it's nice to see Henry getting a little bit of respect as kind of an appreciation for everything that he's done. But at the same time it does kind of sacrifice Jack Swagger in order to do that, which is unfortunate. And especially seeing as it looks like we're going to be seeing Swagger going forward with uh with Bo Dallas rather than inside of an angle that has a that had a ton of heat behind it in regards to his feud with Alex the former Alexander Rusev. I keep wanting yeah. to call him Alexander. It yeah. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, Wait, were we not ready? Okay, go ahead. I can't pull this. No, I was was just mostly going to agree with you that, you know, I I don't think they ever had big intentions on, you know, boosting Swagger, but, you know, we'll we'll, we'll move on to Harry's hit. All right, let's go ahead and start Harry's hit. Here comes up. Here comes up. Here comes up. Harry's hit. Okay, I have a question. Why are these ones working and I couldn't get your pop top to work? I swear. I don't know, man. Soundboard hates you. Anyways, let's talk tag titles, shall we? Okay. Not usually a phrase we use much here on the reaction because <laughs> the Usos have kind of disappeared recently. Anyways. Tonight we saw the Usos in non-title action as they took on the team of the Dust Brusters, as JBL called them. In regard, in actual relations, it's the Dust Brothers, the Dust Busters, whatever they're going to call themselves. Uh, Gold Star, I think that would work. I actually nominate Gold Star as their name because I think it sounds cooler. But anyways, A, your thoughts on the fact that Gold Dust and Cody Stardust got a win tonight over the tag team champions, the Usos? Um. Well, I guess it's it's fine. I don't I don't particularly mind it. I, if they're we we have to assume that they're still going to go for the eventual breakup, and if that's the case, then they need to get back on track with what they were originally doing, which is giving Cody and Goldust wins so that Cody feels better about his persona that he's garnering, and then um, eventually losing and snapping and going forward from there. So I don't mind the win. Uh, I do I do think that that there's other teams that could possibly use the titles a bit more efficiently and that the um, the interaction between Goldust and Cody aren't, uh, they don't need the titles necessarily. So I guess that's, you know, that's the only gripe that I would have. But, you know, the, the Osos haven't been around in a minute and they still have the crowd behind them. So that's good for them. Interesting little bit of character development. I don't know if you caught it or not. Right before they went to commercial break, they showed the Usos standing in the corner. And you could actually see them mouthing along to the words to their theme song. <laughs> That's the thing that kind of makes the users stand out, whereas Roman Reigns has that more traditional Samoan heritage thing going for him behind him. The users have mm-hmm. a, of the modernness to them. They're, they're more hip-hop than a guy like right. a Roman Reigns is. They're more, they have a larger crowd appeal towards like the urban generation than a guy like a Roman Reigns does. Mm-hmm. So I think that helps them. Um, do you think it's at all possible that they're going to use the tag title shot that they're setting up Gold Star for in order to pull the trigger on the turn? 
And if so, do you think that that happens at Survivor Series, or do you think they try to stretch this out even further? I'm not sure what's going to happen. I do think that they're going to be using the titles for that, and I don't think that they need that. Um, I think that they could do it without it, and that it could be the tag team titles could be better served somewhere else. Like around the waist to Harper and Rowan? Yeah, yeah that's, one, that's one example. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit bitter over here, sorry. No, I completely understand where you're coming from there. It seems like a waste in order to put the tag titles onto a team that have absolutely no desire to keep them, no desire to stay involved as a tag team. And if everything that we're hearing is true, they have real, really the only thing that they're going to do is they're going to use the teaming here of Goldust and Stardust as an end to a means to getting Goldust and start feuding again. Yeah. All right, it looks like we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here on the Raw Reaction. We will be right back right after this with the last Let's Talk About Raw segment. In addition to the last Let's Talk About Raw segment, we're going to work the third do into that as well. So we will be right back here on the Raw Reaction right after this. You're listening to the Raw Reaction on Pro Wrestling Powerhouse's Powerhouse Radio. We'll be right back. He's a man, such a man, such a man, he's a real, a real man's man, he's a man, such a man.
Tony Acero. You are not the father. Yeah, it turns out Melters had his head up his ass the entire time, and she was never pregnant. Anyway, <laughs> back on the raw reaction, I'm Harry Rodgers, Tony Acero, are you still with me? Yes, sir. All right, well, let's go ahead and get into the final let's talk about raw here. And I'm going to repeat verbatim the way that you said this to me on the raw reaction format. You ready? Okay. Suplex repeat, suplex repeat, suplex repeat, suplex repeat. Suplex repeat, that's six, right? Suplex repeat, suplex repeat, suplex repeat. I think that was ten total. He actually typed out every single one of those. (laughs) He generally suplexed Cena so many times last night that he owes the entire country royalties at this point. I believe so, yeah. As a German, we call it a nusplex. Anyways, carry on. <laughs> yeah, that was um okay. Um you know in wrestling what happens is someone catches fire, everybody loves it. There's small pockets of detractors. Those small pockets grow, and then there's someone or some a couple of a smaller pocket within the pocket that says that they've never liked it. And as the original pocket grows, those little people grow in, you know, ego and say that they knew that this is that well, this isn't the case with Paul Heyman. Everybody thinks he's amazing. If there is any people that think he's not, they only have one complaint, and that's the one complaint that I had tonight. It went on a little bit too long. However, even in that moment and even with that aspect, you forgive Paul Heyman because he's Paul fucking Heyman. And tonight he showed you why he's Paul Heyman. Regardless of what you felt while you were watching it, whether you thought it was repetitive or went too long or whatever it may be, I can almost guarantee you that that was intentional because Heyman is a mastermind of manipulation, and if he wants to piss you off, he will do it in such a way that you will be pissed the fuck off. So if you're mad about it going too long, it was on purpose. If you're mad about him repeating suplex repeat 15, 16 times, it was on purpose. If you're mad about me repeating the repetition of his repetition, then I want you to know it's on purpose. Um, yeah, the whole segment itself was, was really great. It, it came off really well. Like I said, personally, I thought it went on too long, but I have to give him an okay because it just felt like that's what he was doing. All right, one quick thing to, one quick thing to ask you about the segment itself, and then I'll give you my thoughts here. What do you think of the new title? It's not too different from what they had before. They're really going with this new um, logo. It's one of those things where people are going to love it or people are going to hate it. The people that hate it, half of them are hating it just because that's what you do. I don't mind it either way. It looks like a championship title. Of course, I could harp on changes that I would make and everything, but I'm not the belt designer. Um, you know, at least it doesn't look like shit. And thank sweet baby Jesus, it's not purple. Jeff Hardy. I'm just thankful it doesn't spin anymore. Oh, ain't that the truth? Jesus Christ. Anyways, uh, never more never more than in the last couple of weeks has it been apparent. Paul Heyman is a genius. Paul Heyman, without actually ever using the word, I told you so, had a 15-minute segment on Raw tonight where he told us all so. That if he 
he was the one that called Lesnar shot against the Undertaker, and Lesnar delivered. He called Lesnar shot against John Cena, and Lesnar delivered. And top to bottom, and again, it goes back to what I said earlier when we were talking about SummerSlam with Gary Jovon of Wrestling to the Max. Cena did what was right for business here. Cena laid down and took an ass-kicking at SummerSlam, getting in like three moves the entire match. Brock Lesnar was made to look to be the unstoppable force going forward that any time you know Brock Lesnar is going to be on the show, you're going to want to watch. Rather, he's wrestling, or rather, he's just cutting a promo like he was tonight, or rather, his mic man was cutting the promo, as was the case tonight with Paul Heyman. Yeah, and Brock did everything right by his side. He did the right facial things. He he, he even asked him to repeat him saying his name. Um, Brock's an asshole, and it's beautiful. <laughs> did you catch the little wink at the end of the segment? Uh-huh, yep. That's just the perfect extra headed fuck you to everybody. Yep, I'm awesome, and I know it. Go screw yourself. Um, This was originally going to be the third due, but I think we decided that we're going to give the main event the proper focus as the third due. So I'm going to go ahead and drop this on you now. Okay. I'm going to put you in. The, I'm going to put you in the role as the head of WWE Creative at this particular point here, and I told you to think about contenders when I teased you with this while we were discussing the format for tonight. Uh-huh. Who do you build up as the next contender for Brock Lesnar? Tough Assuming one. Lesnar um, has a match at Night of Champions, who is it against, and who do you think should be the man to take title off of Lesnar's waist? All right. Well, first, if I'm head of creative, I'm going to automatically issue a no-pants rule in the office. If you're wearing pants, you're fired. Randy Orton should have no problem with that. Um, in regards to who's going to face Brock at Night of Champions, um, when is that? Is it a month exact? How many Raws do we have? Three, four? Uh, 18, okay, 18, 25, 2, 9, 16. Uh, five. Damn, okay, so we got plenty of time to build somebody. Um, well, first of all, whoever he, faces the night of, whoever he faces at Night of Champions isn't going to win the title. Um, so there are two different, two different options here. I don't want Brock to lose a month after he wins. I don't think that anybody on the roster right now is believable enough to beat him, even Roman Reigns, especially Roman Reigns. He needs time to grow. He's getting there. I love him. I think he's great. I think even the people that are souring on him cannot deny his charisma within the ring. He just needs to work on the mic delivery, the timing, and the reasoning behind his move. Um, But he's there. He's got it. Um, So I believe that if you're going to give Brock somebody – you're going to have to give him somebody that, oh, it's tough. Like, it's, it's someone that you want that is speedy. You want someone with speed because you want an exciting main event. And it can't be a beatdown like it was for John Cena. But at the same time, if you give somebody too much time, he's looking better than John Cena. So you have two options here, okay? You give Brock an easy win and focus on a on a, um, a storyline that's bigger, making that the focal point of Night of Champions, or you give Brock a, a big person, person kind of be the stalling between now and when the person who's supposed to take the title wins. And the only person that I could think of, and this isn't my decision, this is just what I think they're going to be going with, is either someone like or this exact person in the big show. 
We've seen Brock and Big Show before. They have history. It's going to be a boring match. It'll be a, you know, a cluster for, beyond epic proportions. But seeing Brock F5 Big Show is just another feather in his cap today for people that haven't seen it. Um, let's hope the ring doesn't break again. Um, and, and, and Brock will That's be able to continue onward. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I do That's, think that they're going to... seems to be the tradition in the WWE. The ring only breaks on superplexes. Yes, only. Anyway, um, you took the words right out of my mouth, and especially given the fact that we saw that Mark Henry's being moved to Jack Swag, to uh, Rusev, excuse me. You -hmm. took the words right out of my mouth. I think it's almost a given now that the the opponent for Brock Lesnar at Night of Champions is going to be the big show. Is it a match I want to see again? No. But I think that's the way that they're going to (laughs) go. Yeah. Um, they... All right, now to the second part of my question. Who do you think is the right man? Not necessarily who they're talking about, but who do you think would be the right man to take the title off of Brock Lesnar? I think it would be huge if they continued on the route they were going with Daniel Bryan. I think that he's not only deserving, but it would be one of those feel-good stories that could carry on month after, that could just... It's, it's kind of a second chance to do it right. And not just do it right, but do it better. He's beating someone that's huge. The only other option is for them to just pull the trigger on Roman Reigns, assuming that this is months down the line and he's got a little bit more seasoning and he's just a little bit... You know, it's, it's the minor things that, that a character adds to themselves that make him the most different, you know? So if he's able to do that between now and then, then Roman Reigns would probably be my second choice. Uh, Br- Brian is from a fan's perspective, where I just want to see it. I don't think there's any logic behind it. It's probably not something that would work, but it's just something that I want to see. As far as Reigns goes, I think that he's the person they want to build up, and he's the person that, you know, they possibly could do it. Um, Given the fact that it had come out that the main event for SummerSlam was supposed to be Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar, I think you almost have to build to Bryan winning the title off of Lesnar Mm -hmm. at WrestleMania next year. The only thing that that's going to depend on is whether or not Brian can make a successful full return from his surgery. Because I do not want Brian coming back anything less than 100% and not being the Daniel Bryan that everybody knows and loves. Maybe tone down his arsenal a little bit in order to protect himself a little bit more. For example, no more swan dive headbutts. We've seen the damage that move can do to people. And kind of limit the amount of suicide dives and stuff that he does. Don't use them in throwaway matches on Raw. Save them for the pay-per-view matches. Save them for the big matches that that have the build behind them. Save them for a match that you would need when you're going against a guy the size of a Brock Lesnar. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I think the best story to build to here going forward would be to Brian and Brock. Um, The talk I have heard making the rounds is that they want to do Brian or Brock and Roman Reigns, but the other match that's being pushed for would be Brock Lesnar versus The Rock. Would you have any interest in the return of The Rock to face the Beast Incarnate? Mm, Not necessarily. Um, You know, I think of the way The Rock left, and I, I, I I have nothing against The Rock. I just feel that it was a wake-up call for him as well as it was for the WWE, wherein they're, neither one of them are at a spot in their either career or business model where they can work together and have it be something fruitful for both of them. 
Um, you know, like, it's not, The Rock is great. The Rock's always going to be great. The Rock is someone that I can see and just fall in love with all over again. But his last stint, even looking back at it, the promos weren't as good as I wanted them to be. The matches were all right, but he he got injured, and then he kind of just walked out. And this isn't an insult to him, but at the same time, we don't necessarily need someone like that. You know what I mean? Um, so it, it's it's... It's one thing having what people consider a part-timer as your champion. It's another thing having the challenger a part-timer as well. What you're supposed to do and what we're hoping is that Brock is going to help someone become something huger than what, bigger than what they are. Um, nobody knows the inner workings of Brock's contract. Nobody knows how many dates or how few dates he has. So I'm not really offended by him being the champion. Aside from that, you know, he's a spectacle. He, look at him. <laughs> he's fucking huge, and he's a champion, and whoever beats him is going to be better because of it. You have the Rock come in, then it's just not... That That match right there would be purely for money. It would have little to do with the fans, with the, the, the you know, the, the us wanting it, yearning for it. There comes a time as a, you know, a wrestling organization that you have to build your stars, and I think that Brock... And I'm hoping that what they're doing with Brock is exactly what their intentions are. I completely understand where you're coming from here. The only thing that worries me about the fact that it might become a Lesnar versus The Rock is the fact that they originally wanted that match for WrestleMania 30. And The Rock tearing his muscles in the match with Cena at 29 is what prevented it from happening. Mm-hmm. And we all know how stubborn the McMahonses can be at times. Yep. All right, we're carrying on here on the Raw Reaction. We're actually in the home stretch here. We have one more due to get to, and then we have our final reaction. And uh, I don't think there's any question what tonight's third due has to be. And anybody who watched it knows. I do honestly believe that I'm making a completely accurate statement when I say we saw the free TV match of the year tonight on Monday night. Mm -hmm. That shit was fun. (laughs) It was a lot of fun. Yeah, of course that one works. Right, yeah. You know, you know, when you watch wrestling, you have a lot of reactions. Oh, that match sucked. It was crappy. It was boring. It picked up at the end, blah, blah, blah. But it's not common that you say that match was fun, you know? And I'm not talking fun where you're laughing your ass off and you're in stitches, you know, while you're watching it. I'm saying you lose yourself in the match and become just a fan. And that's harder and harder for people like us because we always have the analytical eye on, as much as we hate having that on. Um, Similarly, when you're writing a report, I know you've been through this, where you're watching it, you're typing things, and you realize how many matches have the same template, how frequently that five moves of doom is not just Cena's forte, but everyone, Um, how often they go into the corner, how almost every match starts with a lockup, and then a side headlock, and then a takedown, and then a head scissors, and then you get back up and you do it again. Um, you know, you see this repetition over and over again in almost every match, and that's how we, as the the people who write about it, can tell whether they're being lazy, whether they're being booked correctly, who's in charge, who's the general, who's making the the, the decisions in the ring. We learn all of this through the process of actually watching the match in a way that we may not want to watch the match. You get to the main event of Raw tonight, it was completely different. I lost myself. I was typing away what was going on, but believe me, my mind was so far away from the keyboard because I was having so much fun. I don't think I've ever used a cast box so much during a match to accentuate what was going on at any particular moment. It was a lot of fun. It was, it was, just, it was a good match. The ending, you could take it or leave it. 
um, in regards to the whole cinder blocks breaking and shit. I mean, I don't know how people feel about that, if they thought they went a little bit too e-Honda on them, but it was, it was cool for what it was. I questioned the presence of Kane. I get why he was there. It all makes sense storyline-wise. I just don't know what they're going to do with it moving forward or why Kane was necessary um, to be implemented into this storyline. I also read that this may be Dean Ambrose's exit out to make a movie, and I can't tell people how wrong of a decision that is. <laughs> I don't want him gone. I don't think people are going to want him gone. If that's the case, oh, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to really suck. But back to the match itself, it was amazing. It was awesome. I want to watch it again. I'm going to watch it again. I can't wait to see what my little brother thought of it because it was all kinds of badass. All right. Uh, as to why Kane was out there, it gives Ambrose an out. Despite the fact that it was false count anywhere and despite the fact that he did lose, he only lost because Kane was out there to cover Seth Rollins' ass. Just like the Lumberjack match the night before, Seth, uh, Dean Ambrose had Seth Rollins beaten in the center of the ring. In the Lumberjack match, it was using Rollins' own move, the curb stomper, as he called it in the NXT, the blackout. Tonight, it was using his own finishing move, Dirty Deeds, the headlock driver. Yeah. Kane was out there to give Ambrose an out as a way to lose. I can give you All four right. words why writing Ambrose out tonight is a good idea. Okay. And they're the same four words I used to describe where this feud needs to go before. Hell in a cell. <laughs> you said hell. Uh, let Ambrose take a couple weeks off. Give him three, four weeks of Raw off. Don't do anything with these guys towards Night of Champions. And despite the fact that we all know there's not a snowball's chance in hell of Rollins trying to cash in on Brock Lesnar, have the opportunity there that we haven't really had in regards to potential cash-ins with the fact that Ambrose is not in the building. Right. But then, just when you think Rollins might have an advantage and somebody actually leaves Brock Lesnar lying in order to build going forward wherever that may be, and we can see Ambrose attempt to cowardly weasel his way into stealing the title, that's when you do Ambrose's return. That's when you blow the roof off of the place. And that's when you set up the money match at Hell in the Cell. Yeah, you know, I'm really, really happy for them. They got the main event. They had an amazing match. They, they've got to be proud of it. They've got to be happy about everything. As for the match itself, I said before we started discussing it, and I stand by this statement, I do believe that tonight, August 18th, technically it's August 19th here on the East Coast now, we saw the WWE free TV match of the year. And if there's a better one to come, I can't wait to watch it, Tony. <laughs> now time right. for your final reaction. Um, you want to go first or second here? Um, I'll go first. I thought that in the middle of the show, it kind of fell flat a little bit. I was, it was getting sleepy. I don't know if that was because I only had one Mountain Dew or if it was because... You know, it was just getting kind of boring. But I thought that this was a, a really good Raw, a really good follow-up to SummerSlam. And I may be crazy, but hold I'm going to go with on. an A-minus. All right, you there? Yeah, I'm here. All right, we had a little bit of technical difficulties. Go ahead, continue. The last um, thing we heard yeah, was... I... 
I don't know if it was just if I had one Mountain Dew, but it was starting to get a little bit boring and then carry on. Yeah, and, you know, I don't know if it was just, a lot, you know, the one Mountain Dew or the fact that it was actually getting boring, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that it was an A-minus show. Um, I thought it was a good follow-up to SummerSlam. The things that were that bothered me were minimal, um, and they had, at the very least they left me questioning what was going to happen next. How were they going to get to where they're going? Um, and that's really what you should be doing. You shouldn't be that predictable. And obviously, since I got half the card wrong, they weren't that predictable. So I thought it was a great follow-up. I thought they had good matches. The six-man tag was great. The main event was amazing. The Miz versus Dolph wasn't bad either. Um, AJ was there. So it hit all the right notes for me. All right. Um, your, your favorite part of the show, do I even have to ask Amber Thrallens, right? Yeah, for sure. All right, your least favorite part of the show. Um, kind of tough to say. I didn't like Bria and Nikki's acting, um, and that's not being a part of the IWC that doesn't like it. I really thought that it was soap opera status, which is to say not good. Um, <laughs> and I think that's about it, really. Um, so I, I guess I'll choose that. I'll choose the opening segment as what I didn't like the most. All right. My letter grade for tonight is we are in 100% agreement here. It is an A- for episode of Raw tonight. And the reason I say that is because every major story that we figured might continue did. Page and AJ is going for, and the fans are going to want to see more of that, especially given the fact that this is bringing back out the psycho AJ that we all know and love. Because God forbid I ever call that woman crazy. You're around. She's credited badly for me. You can call it crazy. I can't. Anyway. <laughs> they threw the curveball out of nowhere with Mark Henry and Rusev, but it's a match that I got to admit I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing. Because we've had Rusev look very good against people around his size. Henry dwarfs him. Henry is probably, I'd say, a good 70, 80 pounds heavier than... Rusev is, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. Henry's thick as shit. And not to mention, Henry's also probably a couple, three, four inches taller as well. But the thing is, is we've seen Rusev where he's had the advantage in matches before. We've never seen Rusev in a match where he's gone in at a physical disadvantage. And I think that's something that makes this interesting to see as well. Another thing about tonight that I really enjoyed is the fact that Paul Heyman basically sold us on Brock Lesnar's title reign and said, I told you, as I said earlier, said, I told you so, without ever using the words, I told you so. Mm-hmm. Of course, you mentioned it yourself. Miz and Ziggler is going to continue, and I got to say, they actually kind of threw me a curveball when they did the segment backstage with Flair tonight. I thought Flair was going to actually do the much rumored alignment with Miz and toss Ziggler the Intercontinental title tonight. Yeah, I thought that was weird, too. Um, I they they pulled the big surprise with Henry and Rusev, which caught me out off guard out of nowhere. And then obviously the standout to me, as you said, was the main event, was the the false cut anywhere match between Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. And those two, as you mentioned earlier in the show, delivered huge in their first big main event stage. Yeah, their very first opportunity to be at the top of the card, to be the showcase match, to be the showcase attraction on a show. And I think they passed with complete and total flying colors. Yeah, they did great. My most favorite part of the show, it, I'm with you, it's got to be Rollins and Ambrose's match. 
And then the obviously the segment backstage beforehand where they did the bit with the bucket was really cute as well and added a little bit of depth in addition to plugging something for charitable reasons, which I can approve of as well. My least favorite right. part of the show, and actually it ties into something that I'm looking forward to, my least favorite part of the show is the jobbing out yet again of Harper, of Luke Harper and Eric Rowe, especially given <laughs> the fact that the team of the Big Show and Mark Henry is apparently not going anywhere now. So what the hell was the point of having Harper and Rowan lose yet again? Yeah. I will remain bitter about this until Harper and Rowan have the tag team titles in their possession, which obviously as of now doesn't look like it's ever going to happen, so I'm just going to have to stay bitter about it. Yeah. Well, I understand you. Is there anything you're else bitter. over there, Tony? No, man. Um, have a great week, fellas and fillets. Assuming they're fillets. Speaking of which... Let's talk about that real quick. Um, you know, I don't want to make this a long discussion. I actually, in reference to um, offensive material on our Yes, Yes, Yes page, since we're on the air, let's just clear the air. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not one to censor anyone. I typically enjoy all types of humor. I let shit just go, roll off my back. I don't care. If you're offended, you're offended, not me. I get to sleep at night, so I'm not really worried. However... What I've created, what, what you've created in the SUSS group is a, is a small family. And I say this on air mostly because I assume that a majority, if not all of our listeners, are most likely directed from that page. Um, or the Powerhouse page. But it, it, yeah, same thing exactly. happens over at Powerhouse too. So. Ex- yeah, so this isn't a, a cry for help. This isn't a, a, a demand for change. It's neither one of those. It's just, in a sense, it's just simple awareness. If we are a group of 2,300, and the core group is no less than, like, I want to say, what, 50, maybe, maybe 60, 75 names that I could think of off the top of my head that are active on the page, that talk every day, that follow you in the raw thread, that continuously bring something to the table. If those are our bread and butter, if you will, our, our friends, our fans, our listeners, our mutual peers, then those are the ones that you want to take care of. So the only the only moment that I want to take out of the show to talk to those people specifically is that if you see one of our friends, our members, our people getting attacked verbally or whatever, it's not bullying. We're all adults here. We're not little bitches. But at the same time, look out for your own. You know, we lost a member who was an integral part of the weekly, um, you know, raw thread. I never had an interaction with her, and I'm one of the biggest pervs online. But at the same time, if I see someone within my group, within my house, being offended or hurt, then I'm going to talk to them, reach out to them, and I'm definitely not going to drill it in. We've noticed an influx of trolls in the past, I want to say, month or so on the Yes, Yes, Yes page, and we're really good at flushing them out really quickly. So it's a warning to them as much as it is uh, um, an encouragement for us to all take care of each other. The more you know. Do, 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 do. No, I'm with you. Um, (laughs) As I mentioned, yes, it's... Yes, is my baby. It's in my creation. I've seen it grow from a group that was made for just me and a couple of my friends to, to BS about whatever we had been watching, be it what was on TV, the Brian push itself, or anything that we were watching as far as like local shows or whatever. And it's grown into something that I never thought that it would, courtesy of yourself and Tony, in regards to the multiple happenings that I and the multiple plugs that we happen to get from you guys in the five and one. But, anyways. Yeah, I'm completely with you here. It's We've got to take care of our own. And to the person that this particularly affected, I know she won't hear this, but I will be reaching out to her. I will be talking to her and hopefully see if we can't work out some kind of situation to 
bring a potential return going forward with maybe some more precautionary steps taken as far as people's sensitivities. I guess we'll go with Yeah, that. no, I mean, so, you know, the person in question, if, if she does come back, we're going to welcome her with open arms. But at the same time, it just goes back to what I said. All we got to do is take care of her. This doesn't change anything as far as offensive material. It's going to be up there. I don't care about it. The only option, I, and I put it on there, I have two rules in regards to deleting stuff off of the page. And it should be the way, you know, is it funny? Is it more funny than it is offensive? If those two answers are yes, then it stays, in my opinion. You have power, others have power, I don't care. But if it's funny, then I'm leaving it there because it makes me laugh, regardless of if it's a sexist remark, racist remark, you know, anything. But if it's more offensive than it is funny, if I just do a little guffaw out of my nose, then you're probably going to get deleted. Uh, on that note, I don't think there's really anything else to touch on here. Um, yeah, like Tony said, let's take care of our own here. We're a family here. A All incredibly right. dis- functional fucking family, but a family all the same. <laughs> yes. He's Tony Acero. I'm Harry Broadhurst. You've been listening to The Raw Reaction on Powerhouse Radio. We want to thank you for listening, and we'll see you on Thursday night for the Thursday Night Destruction with John Demoselli. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next Monday here on The Raw Reaction. Deuces, bitches! of Powerhouse Radio www.prowrestlingpowerhouse.com Join us again Thursday night for the Thursday Night Destruction with John DeMasselli on Powerhouse Radio <laughs> <laughs>